Hello, and welcome to the Dungeon Masters Guildhouse. Uh, this is a weekly podcast where I sit down with creators in um, creators of the DMs Guild, and in this case, actually, surrounding and beyond. Uh, so I am actually overjoyed to be joined by Steffi Devon. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and also, like I said, to, to give you, like, a, a, I guess, the um, introduction you kind of deserve, um, you have a huge, uh, like, you've been, was it, a freelance RPG designer for a, a while, and you have, like, credits in, um, was it, like, Vampire, Vampire the Masquerade, um, and some unannounced things with, like, both, uh, is it, uh, oh, I almost said Star Trek, Stargate, Stargate the Stargate, RPG. Stargate, Stargate, um, yes. As well as um, some uh, sort of fifth edition based stuff. So why don't you mm-hmm. sort of, like, introduce your stuff and kind of, you know, let, let, let our audience know what you're kind of known for. Um, yeah, so I'm a, a freelance writer and developer of tabletop role-playing games. I developed the Fall of London for 5th edition for Modiphius. Um, I uh, wrote The Masks of Theros, which is currently on the DMs Guild. Um, and the project that, that uh, prompted me to reach out for you is Legend Law, which is currently on Kickstarter, which is a uh, open game license setting based on the Legend Law comics, but I can get into that later, for the 5th edition. Um, but yeah, I, I've I've written a lot. I'm prolific. <laughs> yeah, as I say, yeah, that I feel like right. Even saying that you've written a lot is almost like an understatement <laughs> in itself. In itself. Yeah. Um, no, interesting. And and so yeah, you, you mentioned that you got involved with the uh, Mask of Theros, and that's kind of essentially mm-hmm. your, your first publication on the DMs Guild. It um, was yes, and that was um, a, I think was it a project run by Cat Evans, I believe. Yeah, by Cat Evans and me. We oh, are, the, no, sorry, we, sorry, we, we, not, we, to, not to take away. <laughs> okay. No, we, we co-developed it because um, I wanted to do something on the DMs Guild just to test waters and see what it was like. And I got involved with, that was actually a while back, with um, the European group okay. who did uh, the Old World. Uh, and I, I'm writing for Heroes and Villains of the Old World. It's currently an art. Uh, that one took a, a bit of a long process. Um, but I got talking to Kat Evans and and we were both we both kind of wanted to work together on something, but we weren't sure what. And then we saw Masks of Theros, and it turned out we both really like, uh, well, we saw mythic odysseys of Theros. And then it turned out we both really like Greek and Roman mythology, and we we're like, we need to do that. But then, gay, we need to make it gay. Yeah. And um, so we did, and that's Masks of Theros. So if you like Theros and you also like gay stories, then go pick up Masks of Theros. So it's currently available on the DMs Guild. The sort of the perfect Venn diagram of like two yeah, overlap. Exactly. So yep. I'm interested then. So um, with with what was the sort of like motivation to test the waters with the DMs Guild for you? Um, well, because I wanted to see what it was like to create community content. Mm-hmm. Practically all of my stuff is work for hire. Okay. Uh, I have a Patreon where I release indie games. Uh, and uh, with my steady partner in, in crime, uh, Elizabeth Shabrzydko, who owns her own company, Angry Hamster Publishing. And we recently did a Kickstarter called uh, Two Women, 12 Games, to bundle all of our Patreon adventures into one um, print run, which did really well. But apart from the Patreon and a couple of Itch.io games, most of my stuff is work for hire which means I uh, I don't own it. It belongs to somebody else. And that is great because it allows me to write for Stargate and Vampire and Changeling and Cavaliers of Mars and so many other IPs that I love. Um, but I just wanted to see what it was like to just start a project on my own, to pick my own topic, to write it um, like, like I did for the Patreon, but mm-hmm. as a community project instead of completely indie. Yeah. Um, so the thing is, 
I can't do layout. I've been wanting to learn <laughs> for years. I never get around for it. My schedule is pretty busy and I, I never have the time to sit down and learn it. So I can't, which means I can't solo produce books mm -hmm. for, the, for the DMs Guild, but Kat can. So that was just perfect. We were like, yeah, I'll, I'll do the main developing and red lines mm -hmm. and Kat will do developing and, and layout because we did, because she was going to do layout. We did want to make sure that I also did an equal amount of the work. Nice. Um, so, so that worked out really well. We got uh, Christian uh, Eichhorn and Beatrice Diaz and Oliver Clegg mm -hmm. to also deliver chapters for that. But yeah, I just, I just wanted to. That's basically that was basically my whole motivation. I wanted yeah. to do a DM skill book, and I needed, I needed something that really made me enthusiastic. Yeah, I'm fairness, like you know, I, the, you don't really need any more inspiration. Then I just wanted to do it, and yeah, I wanted of, to do it. That was it. Yeah, yeah, and it, it sounds like what well, yeah, that Master Saras kind of did did kind of really well on the. Um, it did, yeah, and we're hoping for a second push when the when the hardcover comes out, because oh. it's currently a silver bestseller, and we're aiming for uh, Electrum or higher, of course. And we're, we're actually making pretty good progress in getting there. So if you see this, go pick up the book. It's really good. Um, oh. And if it does do well, like well enough that all of us kind of recoup the time that we put into it, mm -hmm. we will probably do a sequel for, it's currently for levels 1 to 11, and then we'll do 11 to 20 or 11 to 17 or whatever is feasible. Yeah. So I, so I guess like my, my next question kind of following in. So obviously, you, like, I think was it in, so in, the, in the description, we'll have like the links to like a lot of your work on mm -hmm. the Dean's Guild and also everywhere yeah. else. Um, how writing for so many different RPG systems? How how do you navigate that? Because I must admit, so so far I've only written for the five E. Yeah, and I'm so, very. <laughs> so my my first tip is print out the character sheet and keep it handy because physically seeing what skills and attributes you have in a game will immediately jostle your memory of oh yeah that's how it works. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so I always print a character sheet and keep it ready because if I don't, I will absolutely forget if this one has perception or wisdom and alertness or yeah. awareness or whatever. So I always print a character sheet and I just got, uh, I was talking, actually, um, Onyx Path had a convention last weekend and I was on a Exalted Essence game and I wrote for Exalted Essence and they had me play the characters plat that I wrote and I couldn't remember anything. <laughs> I've got this. I've got this weird brain where I can only remember the mechanics of the pro of the project that I'm currently on. Yeah. And then the moment I hand it in, it's gone, gone. Um, and then when I write for that same project again on on like a new book, I pull out the the character sheet I printed, I put it next to me, and then it all comes back like, oh yeah, that's how it works. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's a little weird, but it actually does come in handy a lot because uh, it means I I can easily switch between systems. I just need. Uh, an hour to read up and, and rejog my memory. Fair. And and so, I, yeah. and when it comes to like obviously writing for like a new RPG for like the first time, uh, mm -hmm. is, is there like a is it? I imagine like yeah, the the idea of having the character sheet there that ma that makes a lot of sense because a lot mm -hmm. of the times this is what's going to be confronting the players if you're writing like an adventure or the yeah. type of content that yeah. you're sort of writing. Um, but yeah, when, when mm -hmm. it comes to like something completely new or maybe something like with like I don't know like that doesn't necessarily with mechanics that don't compare to others. Yeah. How, how do you um, yeah, I did that for Cavaliers of Mars, which is a swashbuckling adventure uh, set on Mars in its dying days. It's really amazing. You can also get it on drive through and everywhere. Um, but yeah, that was new. That was an invention by Rose Bailey, uh, who is a good friend of me and mine and a really, really great developer. She has her own Patreon too. 
yeah. and uh, she asked me to write for that. And um, we did, it was amazing because we, we, we had brainstorming sessions and they allowed us to give us so much content. And then later she actually remembered we did, uh, as one of these stretch goals, she did the, um, the Citadel of the Witch Queen, which delves into an exile from Venus who finds herself on Mars. And she remembered, she came to me and she said, oh yeah, during the brainstorming sessions, you had a lot of thoughts on this exile. So would you write this? And I was like, hell yes. But yeah, the mechanics, what I usually then do is I use what we have um, or shorthand. I'll just go, they roll perception or they roll to investigate or mm -hmm. they roll a social role. And then uh, during red lines, the editor usually fills in, oh yeah, our social role is this or our okay. seeing things role is this. But I'll just put down, they need to roll something social. Yeah. Okay. Fair. That, that, yeah. yeah. I suppose that's kind of like a happy middle ground, especially when you're yeah. working. Like, I think, yeah, I, I can imagine juggling like, I don't know, four, five, yeah. six different systems. Yeah. So I can then, I then, I guess, to sort of bring it back to Dungeons and Dragons, then. So you're currently, obviously, you're writing um, Legendal, which mm -hmm. is essentially yeah. like a, a fifth, uh, a, a fifth edition setting, which is going to go off on, I believe, drive-through after the Kickstarter. Uh, yes, and probably physical shops too. Wow. Okay. Cool. Um, so that that you know the DMs Guild and Drive Through being sort of like sister websites, it's you know it's, mm -hmm. it's all good good topic yeah. for this uh, podcast. Um, what I was gonna say. So before actually, I, it probably would be first to sort of talk about that project a little bit first um, mm -hmm. before I go into my next question. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Legend Law. It used to be a comic uh, in the eighties about four friends. They find a chest. They open it and poof, they are sucked into a different realm. And uh, one of them actually mentions like, oh, this is just like Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, so, of course, we tried to get the IP license for that and we did. Uh, so it's a portal game. Something happens and you are transported into the realm, which is a fantasy world with um, elves and dwarves and pixies and all of that. Um, and of course, my first assignment was make it true to the comics. I couldn't just retcon things or make, well, I did make stuff up, but I couldn't <laughs> retcon things. Yeah. Um, but my second motivation, of course, was because they were written in the 80s and I'm now making role-playing games in the 2020s. And I wanted to make a game for the people that I play with, mm -hmm. um, who uh, are people, uh, black people, people of color, uh, queer people, gay people. Um, and I wanted to make sure that they felt welcome. I didn't want that weird situation where you, because you, you play, like I said, I play yourself, you play yourself, but you transform into, you choose a different people and a class and so. Mm -hmm. But let's say that uh, one of my friends went into the game and they wanted to play in a sexual uh, trans elf. Mm -hmm. I do not want them to then be the only asexual, uh, asexual trans elf in the world because that isn't welcoming. No. So, um, so we set out to, because there's been a bit about, a bit. There's been a lot about diversity mm -hmm. and colonialism in D and D. And basically, my second objective was just I'm going to scratch all that. We're going to mm -hmm. start anew. Uh, you can play whatever the heck you want, and the world is going to look like you. We're going to have uh, black elves. Where we're going to have uh, asexual dwarves. We're going to have trans people. We're going to have um, we're going to have queer people. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So so that was basically my second objective, uh, and we succeeded in that. Nice. Um, we were also fortunate in, in the in the fact that the, in the comic, uh, remember way back when, when orcs didn't look like the Tolkien Middle Earth orcs we get now, they looked like pigs, way, 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 way back. Um, and that is what they look like in the Legend Law comics. 
which then immediately gave us the option to go, we are gonna just go with what would a species of bipedal um, sentient pigs yeah. be like, what is their culture like? Instead of having all the baggage that you mm -hmm. would get if you started out with D&D &D and then tried to fix what they did, we could yeah. just go, forget about that, we've got yeah. a new inn. So, so that was good. Uh, and we, we, did, uh, we did touch on, on tricky subjects. For example, at one point, uh, if you read the setting Bible, it looks like uh, the orcs were probably the original people who lived there and then the humans came in after. Mm -hmm. And then the orcs went to war with them because the orcs were rightly like, we would like our land back. Yeah. Um, yeah, fair, fair thing. Um, so, so we do have that worked in, but that isn't, that is, well, it feels like a, like, like fresher, like we weren't trying to, to mimic anything. We were just going, okay, there's, so there's a land issue here with people mm -hmm. coming in later. And we see what that looks like in the real world. So, um, so actually the, the intro adventures that I often run in conventions is indeed the orcs, uh, petitioning for sovereignty, mm -hmm. uh, for okay. their, for their land to go like, we would like our sovereignty back. And every time the player group, of course, go, yes, yes, they're right. We should yeah. help them, which is, of course, exactly the response that you want. Um, so, yeah, but so, 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 so it isn't completely commentary free mm -hmm. uh, to call it that. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's also, yeah, we definitely moved away from the things that snuck in. If, if there's a land dispute with the orcs, that looks like. The, the the disputes we're currently seeing now where the indigenous people are going you kind of stole our land it's it's not because we're moving in with our prejudices it's because the orcs have a right point in wanting their land back and the people the indigenous people of earth have a right point in wanting their land back so we were able to connect those mm -hmm. but we uh, we made sure we didn't go in with colonialist stereotypes no. and things like that because I, mean, I don't like those. No, I, no, <laughs> Basically, no, I, I don't yeah, like those. No, I just like I understand that, and so it it sounds like again. So um, from like, it feels like you're you're trying to do your best to sort of almost reward the the sort of non non combat or sort of like you know, more yeah. more sort of like social role play and the sort of like you know. It is sort of... yeah, it's very. We we explicitly even say in the in the creatures uh, section we say that if you overcome uh, whatever obstacle these creatures might present then you get the XP and you don't have to fight them for it. You can negotiate, you can sneak past them. Any, because I explicitly wanted to, yeah, I don't like combat uh, much. Um, and I, I explicitly want people to, to have the option of going for the social. Like, let's, let's talk about this. Let's see what we can do. We actually, we do have a hidden treat for people who want to fireball things in the face. Mm -hmm. So uh, at one point there was a plague. At one point there were a lot of wars going on basically everyone against everyone. And then a demon arose and he cast a plague curse that caused the dead to rise. And then all the warring nations were like, we should deal with the dead first. Yeah. This is a big problem. Priorities. So they did that. Yeah, exactly. Like, let, let's just make peace. We're done. Let's settle. Let's sign treaties. Let's kick these dead people out. So they did that. Uh, and the dead are all now in their kingdom way off at the back. Um, but uh, legend law has a lot of crossings, which means people cross over, but also sometimes huge people. We've got a chapter of the chapter. We've got an adventure setting where the descendants of Amelia Earhart are found in an aviation nation. We have the library of Alexandria that fell through from the from Earth to the realm. Okay. But we also have a Thule expedition, which means Nazis. 
we put them on the other side of the undead. We explicitly say, uh, if there's any one good thing the undead ever did for humanity, it's that they kept the Nazis away from the rest of us. Yeah. Because, you know. Um, but if you did want to just fireball things in the face, you could go around the undead nation and then go to the Thule place and then you can fireball them. That's fine. Like we, we do, we do have uh, the undead and the fascists are our straight up. Yeah, those are evil. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's don't like, have to talk to them. That's yeah, it, fine. It's kind of good to have those, those, this sort of thing of like some people just want to throw fireballs. And yeah, I mean, I can't think exactly. of anyone. Yeah, you can, you can. We, we, we got you covered. You can absolutely just go do that. But in most of the cases, Legend Lord does encourage you to go. These people probably have a point when they say that they're at war with this nation who is standing on their ancestral land. But yeah, we got you covered in case you didn't want to just go fireball stuff. I, I guess as well. So interesting with working like with the um, Legends or IP to start with. Mm -hmm. um, so I take it. So how how much of like so with the idea of like uh, bringing Amelia Earhart in and obviously the uh, was it the Library of Alexandria? Uh, uh, yeah, Alexandria. Yeah. Um, so were those elements in the, the comics originally, or was it the... the... Uh, they were not, no. You, you do see uh, visuals. Mm -hmm. If you look at the visuals of the comic, uh, they are clearly, at one point, you see the home of the plague demon and he's living in the Notre Dame. Like, that's straight up the Notre Dame. I've been there. <laughs> this, this was it. Yeah. So, so they did clearly copy a lot of architecture, which... Mm -hmm. I don't know if they did that deliberately to show that there was, was a lot of um, like uh, exchanges of ideas between Earth and the realm, or if that was just easier to draw. Mm -hmm. But it did mean that we then had the opportunity to go, oh, clearly there's been a lot of exchanges of ideas and cultures and architecture. Um, for example, uh, the nation of Ardonia has this science thing, which they probably got from Earth, mm -hmm. which isn't quite science because the laws of physics are a little different and there's magic. Nice. But it's science-y, so they have this whole range of artificers who uh, build, uh, like they could build you a phone, but made out of crystals and steampunk. Yeah. Uh, and they have alchemy and things like that. Um, but yeah, so the fact that they had that visually in the comics meant that we can then say, apparently sometimes things just fall through. Mm -hmm. and, that, and, and so we focused, our main chapter focuses on uh, the nations as they are in the book, with like adventure hooks for every single one for those DMs who went like, oh, I've got a game in five minutes and I didn't prepare. Let yeah. me just pull out an adventure hook. Um, but then we also have adventure locations and those are, uh, uh, a lot of them are new. Yeah, we've got we've got uh, adventure locations, obviously. The, the nations are the places where you would go to kind of have your long campaign and adventure locations are places where you go for like a couple of sessions and then you would go somewhere else because you can't really well, I suppose you could live in the aviation nation of Earhart. I mean, yeah. I would. I mean, was it? I think uh, it's the case of like never under underestimate how often players just want to settle their route somewhere. <laughs> like, yeah, we're exactly. Yeah, we're gonna like and exactly. the adventure comes to them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So no, interesting. So I kind of have like a uh, so moving the questioning more to like your creative process then. Mm -hmm. What were like what so uh, what were some of the lessons that you learned from other RPGs that you kind of brought to writing for like the fifth edition? Um, or D&D in particular? Yeah, so keep in mind that a lot of my work is for hire, mm -hmm. uh, which means that most of my process starts with read the outline, because yeah. you'll get an outline. Uh, read exactly what they want, mm -hmm. and also exactly where they're giving you freedom. And then you, uh, then I usually go back to the developer which where, with a more uh, concise outline. Uh, so, so they would say, Steffi, give me 500 words on 
Prometheans and I would go back and go, okay, so I want to do these four topics. Mm -hmm. um, and I, uh, that helps if you're working, if you're doing work for hire, because work for hire, yeah, somebody is paying you to write their vision, yeah. um, which, which means whatever you're writing needs to match. Mm -hmm. Obviously, if I'm if I'm as a developer, if I ask somebody for 500 words on um, polyamory on the elves, because uh, the elves in legend lore uh, have a have a polyamorous uh, society where they marry for political reasons, but it's accepted that you have romantic relationships for romantic reasons. I mean, if, um, when you live for that long, it just it just makes sense. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Like you'll want to connect certain families to each other but you also don't want to pin people down for, for a thousand years. So yeah, so if, if I ask, uh, and I, I'm using this example, but my writer did exactly do that. But if I ask somebody for 500 words on uh, polyamory in the elven culture, and they come back with 500 words on um, uh, I guess social, acti social, social activism of elves, I would say that is a great section, but it's not what I asked for. Yeah. So I need you to go back and redo that. And that is super important work for hire. Uh, but I do now take that, that idea of breaking an outline down. I take that to all of my creative work because I find that it's easier if I just go, okay, so I've got, if I just go, I have 5,000 words and I need to start writing, then um, I'm either going to go over or I'm going to go under, usually over. But I help, it, it helps me to just break it down. Like, okay, so, so that's 1,000 there, 1,000 there, and 500 here. And I also find it easier to write because sometimes you go like, oh, I've got an hour before I need some. I'm not going to start on a big 2,000 word chunk, but I'll, I'll, I'll do the 500 words chunk. I can absolutely do that in two hours, in an hour easily, and then edit it. And it'll be good to go for next day. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so I always start with the outline and I'm breaking down the outline so that I know exactly what I'm writing. And then I just kind of write that. Yeah, it's not much more complicated than that. I mean, it is. I mean, there are days that you don't want to write, but yeah. the basic comes down to, I just have an outline and then I write what I told myself I was going to write. No, fair. And then I suppose, yeah, no, I, I think, I, going back to like your idea of like then writing and then regardless of kind of what system, there, there's kind of like the underlining yeah. mechanics that you can, you can almost just slot in anywhere. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, fair. Um, and yeah, so I guess what, so when it comes to moving away from like your freelance work then, or when mm -hmm. you're given like an outline, um, yeah. what about, what about your ideas? Like where, where do they exactly like stem from? Um, I'm, I'm very visual. So I tend to get ideas from, um, from pictures that I see. I saw a while back, there was a thing that somebody tried to copyright the, bi the, the pride flag or something, and they didn't want people to use it. And then of course somebody made, no, it was the bisexual flag. Okay. And then of course somebody made the bisexual flag and put uh, a pirate uh, skull and crossbows on top of it <laughs> so i was like i'm gonna write a bisexual pirate game i don't know what it's gonna look like yeah but it'll be something with pirates and they're bisexual um and if oh, that's, that, that's that's kind of all you needed to like, that's like all I need. Yeah. yeah bisexual pirates we can we can write an adventure about that yeah uh, or for uh, for pride i did uh, i saw somebody post something that says uh uh gay goth goblins in this really fancy font <laughs> and I was like yeah I'm gonna write a game about gay goth goblins nice. and then uh, Liz my my partner in writing actually said no Steffi I've I've already done a goblin game for us need to do something else so then I wrote pride punk pixies which is uh, currently also up on drive-thru it's uh, pay what you want because it's my wrath month 
month gift to everyone. Mm -hmm. But if you do want to pay, all the proceeds this month are going to the Black Visions Collective, which is a Black-led, trans and queer uh, organization fighting for justice. So mm -hmm. if anybody wants to pick that up. Um, but yeah, so then I went from gay goth goblins to pan pride prixies, and I was like, what do they do? Well, they cause trouble. That's one. They throw bricks. <laughs> and then I just wrote it from there. It's very short. It's a one-page game. It doesn't have to be. I mean, if your concept is Pride Punk Pixies, it doesn't have to be long. Yeah. Plus, it's like I said, it was a gift. It's a it's a rough month gift. Um, but yeah, so a lot of my ideas come from visuals. I'll see a picture and I'm like, oh yeah, there's a game in there. Yeah, fair. Interesting. I suppose yeah, the idea of like almost using that as like it's almost like a, a game jam in itself to like take like a singular image and to try and turn yeah. that into a, like a whole game. Yeah, feels exactly. like a, it's sort of like a, a fun uh, creative exercise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, and a lot of my games, because I am a horror writer by trade, a lot of my games tend to, uh, one of my favorites of all time is We Die Hair, which also just started with me being like, I want to write a game where you as a character are really, really outclassed. Like, you're just... Um, like uh, like uh, Stranger Things or Dark on ne Netflix, which I love, or uh, Black Spot on Netflix, which I also love. But all of those deal with there is probably something supernatural going on, and it's really nasty, and you're a human, and you don't have any powers. Yeah. And um, I wanted to explore that idea of uh, that's my second source of inspiration is like television. I'll watch something, I'm like, there's a game in here, and I don't do. Uh, Dark, the game which Dark has this really intricate time travel plot, which I didn't even touch. But I wanted to emulate uh, the the idea of not being able to do much in character. You're just stuck in a genuinely bad place with very little options. Mm -hmm. And uh, your best option is always going to be running away. Um, but then I do like player agency. So the more helpless a character is, the more power a player should have. I'm a very strong proponent on that because mm -hmm. uh, my the horror is supposed to happen to the character and not to the player. So yeah. I wrote a whole system based on designing uh, the town together and the horror together so that everyone goes in like eyes wide open. What are we going to do? Um, because, yeah, because I'm a huge fan of player agency yeah. and I wanted to make sure that if you're powerless in game, you need to have a lot of power out of game. Okay, but, um, so, yeah. so, so if you don't mind digging a little bit deeper then so mm -hmm. like if when it comes to like writing like a horror adventure or like horror yeah. content and I, how, how do you how do you balance the idea of like giving the player agency but then if like a core theme of like feeling helpless is almost like yeah. a lack of choice it feels almost like you can't you can't have both but no but you can you can have a place where the characters don't have any options like you're you're faced with an evil sewer dwelling monster that is probably going to eat all of you um, and you don't have any powers, so your best bet is to run away and eventually you're going to be in a place where you can't, and then what? Mm -hmm. uh, which is terrifying in character, but out of character you go in and you say, okay, so is everybody on board with this? That's step one. Yeah. Does everybody want to be hunted and eventually possibly eaten? That's why the game is called We Die Here. It has a high mortality rate yeah. and eaten by a sewer-dwelling monster. Um, and then you go into safety and consent. Like, mm -hmm. uh, what exactly do we want the monster to do? What do we not want it to do? Like, uh, all the kids in the setting are magically immune to this monster. It doesn't attack them. If somebody at my table would say that, then okay, as of now, that's that's what's going on. The mm -hmm. kids in this town are weirdly safe for some reason. We'll make it up. Yeah. 
or if or if another player goes i'm fine with all of this but don't hurt anybody's pets mm -hmm. then um Kent Blue did that, that he ran We Die Here for his role to play podcast. And uh, several characters have dogs, which sometimes they, the, the dogs follow their bosses into danger. Uh, and nothing ever happened to the dogs because Kent was very clear, like the dogs have plot armor, nothing bad is going to happen yeah. to them. Um, so yeah, you, you just decide all of that out of game. Like where, what, what is fair game for the monster to do? What is not fair game for the monster yeah. to do? If you're like, I don't want the monster to creep on me. Like, a weird sexual stalker thing yeah. then don't just don't do that it's really yeah. easy as a gm your players will tell you and then just don't yeah and if somebody were to go like oh i want like real body horror i want like people swinging off meat hooks <laughs> and and everybody at the table is comfortable with that yeah then do that mm. so yeah so the idea is that you you put in the prep out of character because mm. then when you have everybody's uh, lines clearly defined uh, and you know exactly what they do and don't like. That does mean you can come in super hard with the things that they do like. Like yeah. that is then you can go. And of course, you do you do tell everyone like if I ever go too far, just tell me to stop, and we will retcon or adjust, and we can make things up as we go. No, it's it's it's, it's no. It's it, it, again. So first of all, yeah, obviously, like all all RPGs will go for that. Obviously, consent being yeah. like the the first step is always kind of important yeah. to like learn. And I imagine, especially with horror, it's doubly so yeah. important because you're dealing yeah. with like slightly more, uh, well, yeah. intense themes. But yeah, no, I, I suppose the idea that like everyone going in with the idea that it's it's like it, it, it's okay to lose, it's okay to die, yeah. um, and that's kind of like the theme of it. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to think of like I, I don't think I don't think I've ever really encountered something on yeah. at least the uh, at least uh, the DMs guild yeah. where it's like oh yeah this you're probably gonna die in this. Or like, yeah. and it's not yeah. like like a death trap dungeon. It's like yeah. a horror. I don't know. Yeah. I, I feel like I, I, you've given me an idea here now. Yeah. See, see <laughs> how you can write that. No, and something else I did for uh, uh, we die here, which I generally love, but not a lot of systems allow it. Um, the DM does not roll for nothing. Everything happens because a player initiates a roll, and then the DM might say, "You've got some opposition here, so let's subtract some dice." Mm -hmm. um, but the players do the roles. Yeah. Um, and I like that a lot. Um, firstly, it's, it's because I'm a lazy DM. I don't want to roll. Um, but secondly, also because it's usually, the, you know, you'll go like, um, so you're being chased by your evil sewer clan and you want to jump a fence. And um, very often the players go like, oh yeah, I should probably roll for that. But you can also, as a DM, if they don't say I should roll for that and you're okay with them escaping the sewer clan at this point, don't ask them to roll. Mm -hmm. They just jump the fence and yeah. then they flee. Uh, and, if, and the moment that somebody suggests like you should roll for that, you also take into account that they might fail and uh, be injured or, or, or the sewer clown eats them depending on how far along in the adventure you are. Like, you don't want to eat people in the opening act. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so, so for we die here, and I, I love that and not enough systems do it. I'm a huge fan of role playing systems where all the roles are just player based. I think also, make the roles. Yeah, you kind of touched on something nice because I think I, I've been in like a number of games where you have like all five players trying to like climb over a fence and yeah. there's a check to roll out, get over the fence. Yeah. And it's the case of like everyone's there just unlucky, just rolling like threes and twos. And it's like, okay, we're a, we're a band of heroes who cannot get yeah. over a fence. <laughs> so, yeah. No, it's, yeah and, some, and sometimes you just want to have like 
what am I going to do? It's, it's the same like if you run an investigation and you go like, okay, so you're investigating this murder, roll to see if you can find clues. Mm -hmm. If nobody finds the clue, the adventure ends. Yeah. So just give them the clue. Don't yeah. make them roll for this. And the same with jumping the fence. I suppose, yeah, I suppose what is it? it's like tiered things. Like, you know, give them, give them enough information to, you know, keep the story going. But then yeah. for the important moments, you know, the actual, like, if you want to raise the tension of like, okay, well, you need to get over this fence or this sewer monster is going to, you know, put you on yeah. a meat hook. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but yeah, exactly. If, if players are rolling for something, there should be, uh, you should be able to, you should be willing to have something bad happen if they fail the roll. And if you're not, because that is not where you're at at the story, then don't make them roll. Yeah, I, I guess it's the idea that so each roll, anytime you're rolling, there should be a consequence for failure. Yeah, but exactly. that consequence should not be a lack of progress. Exactly. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. So We Die here specifically has the option of um, going, uh, like you, you roll and you fail the roll, and what you can do instead is you can accept a complication to, mm -hmm. to make it. So you were trying to break into the school to look for uh, clues. Yeah. And you don't make your break-in roll because nobody is able to climb into the window or nobody is able to open the door. And then as a complication, what you could do is say that you do make it in, but uh, weird Mrs. Borden saw you break in. So she now knows that you're on the trail of something and that's probably going to come back to it, bite you in the ass later. But for now, you're in the building and we can go on with the adventure. I think I, I actually I think I'm aware of like there's 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 a few people at least on the DMs Golden Round who have done their sort of like uh, rule supplement of like the sort of fail forward. Yeah, um, yeah, fail forward. is Such yeah. a huge fan. Yes. Interesting. And then so to, to kind of keep keep honing in on your your creative process as a whole. Then, um, do you have any like favorite part of a project? Like, what what do you like the most? Um, I like at the beginning when everything is still fresh, and I right. like editing when it's done. And I don't like the bit. <laughs> don't like the bit in between. <laughs> but um, a lot of writers have that. Yeah. yeah. Like, so, uh, actually, I, I sometimes find that sometimes it's yeah, it's the it's the even. So I, I take it you do a fair bit of self-editing as well, sort of going through. Oh yeah, because I don't want to give my first draft to my editors because it's crap. I yeah. want them to you know, want them to have a polish. I do say that um, um, as an advice to every to anyone who wants to be a freelancer. Um, Having a clean first draft, which means your editor doesn't have to go through with a fine tooth comb, mm -hmm. will absolutely get you rehired uh, in addition because it's less work for the editor and they, they have, you know, 300 pages to go through. So it's nice if your 10 pages don't give them too much trouble. I suppose. So I, I always edit. Yeah. yeah. I suppose it means that the editor can then spend their time you know, sprucing up sentences or, you know, like, like, exactly. rather, no, rather but, than, yeah. Yeah, as a developer too, the more polished, because I could hand off my drafts and just go like check for this and check for that. But the more polished the drafts are, the more uh, the official editor can hone in on the actual problems. Like if I give them a list of 20 things they need to do uh, or a list of two things they need to do, obviously the two, the two item lists, they're gonna do better. Mm -hmm. because they were able to spend all of their time focusing on two issues instead of on 20 issues. Yeah. So yeah, the cleaner a draft is, the better. That's if, whether you're developing a book or writing, um, the, the cleaner, the better. Yeah. And, and I suppose so to go back to your first point, like starting your project, uh, it sounds like, uh, like I'm, I'm very much like, as you mentioned earlier about like writing an outline or like, yeah. uh, I think the kind of the first thing I do, is I very much like having like the skeleton of the document. 
and then you yeah. just go in and you sort of like insert chunks um yeah because then i suppose it gives you like you see the scope of the project kind of before and then you can sort of see mm -hmm. where you kind of plug in the chunks um yeah or or is your favorite part is it a little bit before the, the sort of the that part I do, no, I, do, I like the brainstorming part a lot too, yeah. where, where everything is still possible, because at some point you have to choose, you can't put everything in your book. Yeah. Um, it, it's getting easier with PDFs, you know, PDFs, it's like, yeah, we can tag on a couple of extra pages, but especially if, you, if you're doing print, mm -hmm. um, at one point, you go into the next uh, price bracket, you don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, but also uh, a PDF for a company, uh, you, mostly people get paid per word. Mm -hmm. uh, which simply means that if a company contracted uh, has a budget for uh, 200,000 words and you end up with uh, 220,000 because people went over, the company is going to say like, yeah, now what? Yeah. Where, where is this budget going to come from? Um, uh, so you have to choose, but at the beginning when you're still brainstorming, everything, almost everything is still possible. So, uh, so I like that. It also helps bring the project to life. Like I said, with Cavaliers of Mars, because it was new, we did a lot of brainstorming. And even the sections that I wasn't writing, I had a very clear view of because all the other writers were talking about their parts and what they were going to do with it. Yeah. So I like that because it really helps to bring the world to life, which and means it's more coherent. And then obviously, so, so once you've sort of conducted your brainstorm, obviously then you mm -hmm. have like so many ideas how how do you, how do you narrow that down? How do you like how do you how do you single out like this is this is all? Yeah, um, I usually all of my books usually have a theme and a mood. Mm -hmm. um, so my theme for We Die Here would be uh, my theme is inescapable horror, mm -hmm. and the mood is uh, for, for We Die Here is urban towns, small towns, uh, claustrophobia, uh, eldritch. Mm -hmm. And then if it doesn't fit those, it doesn't go in yeah. and just be really tough with yourself. Just go, this is an expansion. This is not this book. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Fair. Okay, I suppose, yeah, it, it is the, 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 was it the verbiage of like, kill your children or like, yeah, you know, kill like, your darlings. No, not your darlings. children. Don't kill oh, your children, but kill your darlings. Yeah. I think that that's completely different. That's no, <laughs> yeah. no, that's bad. That's bad. Kill your darlings. Yeah. And then just be really tough on yourself. Like if it doesn't fit, then it doesn't go in this book. Interesting. Um, and then I suppose to get the, the other side of the coin then, um, do you, what's your least favorite part of a project? As, as, aside from the middle bit. <laughs> oh, gonna, yeah, as, apart from the actual writing. Yeah. Um, uh, so red lines, if you, if you do work for somebody else, the, and also for the DMs Guild, which uh, I did the red lines. Uh, red lines are basically you you have your draft you send it off and then somebody's going to go through all of the drafts mm. and they're going to point out things like this is awkwardly worded or this is passive language people don't like you don't say um there is a chair sitting in the corner you just say the chair sits in the corner yeah. or you don't say the door was opened by him you just say he opens the door yeah. um so passive language is one that every editor looks for yeah. I, um, I mean, I, I've been caught, I, I, again, there's multiple times where I've been caught on passive voice. It just, it flows out yeah. every now and then. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just Google for there and will. If I Google for those, I, I get most of it out. But there's yeah. also like Grammarly, which will check for you nowadays, which, so, um, so yeah. So, and they also look for, uh, do the mechanics work? Sometimes mm -hmm. they don't. And they'll be like, Stephanie, remember that this is how this works in this book? And I'm like, yeah, I forgot. Yeah. 
that happens if you work on it. Sometimes you genuinely forget, like, oh, shit, yeah, that was a thing. Yeah. Um, uh, and sometimes they just go, this is a good section, it's well written, but it contradicts with one of the other what one of the other authors said, and I've decided to go with their interpretation, which means you need to rewrite. So, um, and I, I do that as a developer for my writers and as a writer, I have it done for me by my editors, mm -hmm. by my developers. I don't know any writer who likes it. Seriously, none of them. Because it's hard because you put a lot of work into this creative project, into a, a, a draft that you obviously think is good enough to submit. But sometimes it happens that you'll just go, yeah, it's the deadline um, and I'm stuck. And rather than just continuing to be stuck, I'm going to hand this in and see what my editor says. And hopefully then my second draft, I, it doesn't happen often. And when it does, I explicitly tell um, my, my developer. I have that with, uh, with the current pandemic. At one point, I just I, I told my, edit, uh, my developer, I said, look, this is not a good first draft, but I can't write. I can't. Yeah. I could spend another week on this and it'll still not be a good draft. I'm going to send it to you. Be aware that this is not my, luckily she knows me. So yeah. I said, be aware that this is not, not my usual standard, but it's not going to get any better. Um, so think, you go over it and I'll make it better. And she yeah. was like, yeah, I totally get that. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, with everything that's going on, I think that's exactly everyone's, that Yeah. She was like, I get that. Yeah. Um, but usually when you send in a first draft, you're obviously pleased enough with it that you sent it in and then you get red lines back and it's terrible. It's terrible. Nobody likes it. Uh, it's definitely my least favorite part of writing hands down. Uh, but the important thing to remember is that it's not personal. Again, yeah. it's because the product is going to be better in the end. Um, and a lot of red lines that I got when I started writing, I don't get anymore because I learned from them. I don't do passive. I sometimes do passive language, but most of it, most of the time, I don't. Uh, I don't do filler words like very or generally or yeah. uh, customarily. I just don't, don't use those words. Um, so I mean, to go back to like what you said, I think was it, uh, once I once I had an editor go through and sort of redline every will. I now, yeah. I, I, again, I, I just avoid the word now. It's yeah, like, me too. Like, just yeah. don't use it anymore. I, I, I actually, I have a list of words that I control, control, control F, like very well, generally, yeah. customary, occasionally, <laughs> just delete all of them. Yeah. That, that is a big one. You don't need that most of the time, um, which means I don't get those red lines anymore. But I do still get red lines, yeah. and they're tough. Yeah, nobody I, I likes getting them, but you they make your work be, better. You kind of have to sometimes, like, I feel like, at least me physically, when I know that I've got edits waiting to respond to, mm -hmm. um, I do kind of have to be in the right mindset to, to sort of Definitely. go and just, yeah. um, it's, again, I, and it's always the case of like, um, I think as, even though my, my log logically, I'm just like, they're, they're helping me improve this project. Yeah. These are not, it's, no, no, none of these are personal hurts. Hurts. Fire, it's, yeah. No, but it still hurts. Yeah. And uh, so the good news is that I work with a lot of professionals in the industry who've worked for a lot of time and none of them write red lines. It's perfectly okay not to like your red lines, yeah. but you do have to take them like a professional, which mm -hmm. means you can't go complain to the editor. Oh, no. It's like if, if somebody said you dropped your keys, you would say, oh, thank you. And you pick up your keys, just do the red lines. Yeah. You can pick and choose your battles if you're really passionate about something. Yeah. Then yeah, you can, but in the end, if your developer says no, do it my way, yeah. do it their way. Just, no, just get through them. Nobody likes it. I think as, as, uh, the, the idea of, of um, ha having a, a sort of ongoing discussion with the editor is always nice because um, or like yeah. especially like 
I would rather have the red lines than not, because if they sent me a document back with none, I would be like... They didn't read it. Yeah, they didn't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it, it's weird. Like, I'm proud of my work, but yeah, I, in yeah. my mind, I'm like, there's, there's problems. There's, there's, well, yeah, want, exactly. That, that, that's what an editor is for. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's not... And sometimes, I, sometimes content is genuinely... I've had that happen um, on, uh, on a vampire book, which I wrote uh, because uh, White Wolf was purchased by Paradox a couple of years back. And I wrote a book that was outlined and in first drafts before the purchase and then redlined and second edition after the purchase, which means we had the new paradox rules apply, which were not the same as the original rules, which means we had to make changes. And the original book was good and the final book was good. It's just that the vision of the company changed in between and they were like, yeah, you've got to change a couple of things and it wasn't anybody's fault. And it's not that the first, it just happens. Yeah. And sometimes you don't even need a company purchase for that. Sometimes it just happens that um, that you you write something in a first draft and it doesn't quite work out or it doesn't match and it needs to go. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, my least favorite part. Fair. No, I, yeah, no, it makes sense. Um, no, and then so I guess my, my last kind of question about your creative process then is, um, is there anything like when you first started writing, but like, I guess RPGs in general, that you kind of wish you'd learned earlier? Um, no, 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 not really, no. Okay. Um, no, I, I, the practical things, but I don't think I could have learned those earlier because there is simply a, a craft skill to writing. Yeah. Um, but other than that, no. In fact, it kind of makes sense. It was all very, very organic. No. Yeah, you, you learn a lot by doing, um, and then. Um, yeah, exactly, and and there's no. I mean, it would have been nice if I would have been if if I would have been uh, where I am now when I started, because then yeah. all of my past work would have been great. Yeah. But that that simply doesn't happen. Yeah. No, fair. No, so, it so no. No, and and in fairness, well, I, I can say well, I think through through our chat, I, there has been many sort of like really interesting tidbits of like useful advice. So yeah. I feel like it, the people who are starting now listening to this, they've already got like a leg up. They're, they're, they're so yeah. much further ahead than otherwise. Um, no, awesome. And then I guess to sort of begin rounding off the interview and sort of looking to the future and the community mm -hmm. as a whole. Um, do you, uh, well, aside from like legend lore, um, do you have yeah. any sort of like particular dream projects or something that you, you know, you'd be dying to do? Um, I, I would love to work more on the, uh, on the uh, fifth edition. Well, not fifth edition books coming out currently. I would love to, uh, if somebody on Paradox uh, ever watches this uh, and you're doing a changeling, the dreaming fifth edition for yeah. me, yeah. Um, uh, I would, um, um, but no, I would love to, I'm currently seeing if I can turn We Die Here because uh, I think it's a really solid book. I'm, I'm currently seeing if I can turn that into like a full uh, hardcover, like a full page book because right now it's a mini game that I wrote in a month. Yeah, It's still pretty hefty. It's like 30 pages, which is a fair yeah. amount. Um, uh, but no, the, the, of course there are dream projects, but the, the, the good news about already being in the industry is that you can usually email people. Mm. Uh, so I would love to work on Alien, but the company who does the Alien RPG is aware that I would love to work on Alien. So at that point, it's like I've taught them. Uh, yeah. They've looked at my, my resume. They're interested, um, but they currently don't have anything for me. That happens. Okay. Um, I would actually maybe love to do card flavor text for Magic the Gathering someday. Interesting. That's a weird one. Yeah. And I don't actually have an end because I don't know anyone who works <laughs> for 
Magic the Gathering companies. So yeah. I, I would love to do that someday. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah I suppose I get that. The the um, law text on trading cards is like the most condensed. Like uh, it's probably you have to like every word has to be so carefully chosen. Every it's, it's... every word has to matter and it all has to tie together. But it's only how much how much do would you get twenty words? I, I don't even it, it depends. Like what is it? So there's a card that we're just like it's like much. all mechanics like two yeah. one sentence. Some cards don't even get yeah. like flavor text. Yeah. So. No, so I, I would love to do that someday, and I would love to write an audio drama someday, like a podcast. Oh, nice! Yeah, there's, um, there, yeah, yeah. there's, there's some good ones out and about at the moment. Um, yeah, yeah. Interesting. So I guess as well. So to um, uh, talk about the community then, and sort of reaching with people, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you just because of your background and everything to ask more broadly. Mm -hmm. But is there anyone in the industry in particular that inspires you? Um, so I, I like I said, I love what Cat Evans does. And I really like what Oliver does, Oliver Clegg, yeah. with his make everything gay. Um, I think that's I think that's fabulous. I love Ashley Warren's work. She she worked uh, she wrote uh, on Legend Law by the way. If anybody else is a really big fan of Ashley's work, she's on Legend Law. Ashley May is too, uh, and uh, Travis Leg is. Um, so we got a couple of community creators in there. We specifically found them through the DMs Guild. So, um, but no, so I like all of those. Um, I'm, what I mostly like is um, how far people have already taken it in terms of representation and diversity, because mm -hmm. now Wizards is also coming around to, we should fix these things. And I'm like, yes, let me point you to people who have been doing that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and Legend Law fixes it. I honestly, I think we did a really good job with representation and diversity, and inclusion, inclusivity. No, um, I... But but I like how. I like how if you open um, like uh, a setting to people to just play with, they will automatically write for their people. Yeah. Which means you get a beautifully diverse world, which, yeah, huge fan of that. We're actually hoping to, uh, and I have to say that this is not a fixed plan. This is a OF Legend Law does really well. Maybe we can look into, be able to look into making it a community content program, um, which I think would be amazing because it's, it's, it's a really fun and diverse uh, place to, to write community content in. Um, but yeah, so, so I, 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 I like most of the work I see on there. No, I was say, yeah, it sounds like, again, with, with Legend Law in particular, uh, again, you're saying like a bunch of well-known DMs Guild names. Um, yeah. And it sounds like, yeah, you've got like a, a sort of awesome team around the project. And yeah, yeah. So I was going to say, at the moment, so the, as of recording this, which may date the episode slightly, yeah. um, how's, how's the Kickstarter going? Uh, so we funded, so nice. that's good. We have, uh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> we currently have 12 days left. Mm -hmm. uh, we would like to make some stretch calls. Like I said, because that's that's um, that's what a couple of things depend on whether we can do community content and such. Um, so, but we did fund, which means everyone's getting their books. I would just like to do more mm -hmm. more stuff in Legend Law because it's such a great setting. I think was it with with Kickstarter as well? You always see like a big a big bump at the start and towards the end. Like so, yeah, exactly. The when, last week is going to be quite intense for you guys. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Interesting. Um, no, and I, so I take it. So the my my question of like what you're currently working on. Um, I imagine Legend Law is... There's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so, but no, so I, I think any, anyone you want to sort of like particularly highlight at all or? Um, so, uh, yeah, I've got a huge list of things I'm working on. Let me see. 
Uh, oh yeah, a couple of small, because uh, if, if it's something Onyx Path, I've worked for so many things on Onyx Path, they are coming out with Trinity Anima, which is for the Trinity Continuum Universe, and you play in an MMO, which is going to be great fun. Uh, we are using uh, The Matrix, Tron, and Jumanji, the, the new movies, as our inspirations. So if that that's going to be amazing. That's a solid trifecta. Yeah, yeah, those those really look like a lot of fun. Um, we uh, I'm also working on Brindlewood Bay for uh, for Gauntlet Gaming, mm -hmm. which is um, if you like Murder She Wrote, you're gonna like this. It's basically mm -hmm. a Jessica Fletcher book club solving mysteries, mm -hmm. uh, which I love. I, they 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 sent me the PDF and I was just like, Jason, hire me! I want to write for this. <laughs> Um, I'm also working on Dungeons and Demigorgons, the second edition, or Dark Bases and Demigorgons, the second mm -hmm. edition by Red Ink Games, uh, who you'll know from Gone Home. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I'm working on a couple of comics uh, that are coming out. One is Water Woman, which is a story about uh, a girl who starts off in an abusive relationship and her partner uh, tosses her off a boat and then she uh, becomes Water Woman. She becomes sentient water. Oh. And she returns to right the wrongs and then finds her path to new love again. So that's exciting to write. That's a comic I'm doing with Chrissy Brown. Um, I'm doing a time anthology trilogy for another comic. Um, and uh, Kat and I might, uh, well, we kind of laughingly raised the idea that we should do like a lesbian summer adventure bundle for the nice. DMs Guild. So if the two of us find the time, that'll be a thing. Yeah. But I know we're both pretty solidly booked. So, and then for Onyx Path, I'm also doing the Hollow Courts, which is the Changeling, the Lost anthology that's coming up pretty soon. I, I, I cannot imagine juggling all those projects. I'm 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 yeah, in I've awe. Got, <laughs> I've got I've got a, I've got uh, I've got a pretty solidly booked schedule. Yeah, and I'm always the problem is always that every project look books looks good. So people are like, can you work on this? Yes. And then you look at your schedule. No. <laughs> it's like you're just no. spinning seven plates, and you go, I could maybe take one more spinning plate. Yeah, eight <laughs> plates, seven plates, and then and they've got eight. I can take nine plates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. The 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 was it the fear of missing out or like you know not wanting to say no. Oh, to it's so real. It's, it's a tough so one to real. balance. Yeah. No. Um. No. Oh, I'm, I'm yeah. So, and I'm actually I'm, I'm developing another book. Uh. The I'm co-developing a book. The the uh, techno uh, technocracy reloaded Kickstarter that just ended. Oh. Uh, Travis Led uh, Travis Leg and I are co-developing the player guide that's coming out of that. So that's really exciting. Wow, Jeez. so many, so many projects. <laughs> yeah, but developing is a different brain space than mm -hmm. writing. I've actually been telling people that I can't do any more writing projects at the point, but I could take another developing project because okay. that is a different part of my brain that yeah. isn't completely exhausted yet. Wow. And obviously, so in the in, obviously in the description of this video and podcast, so we'll have a link to um, yeah, probably we'll have a bunch your, of links. Yeah, yeah, my yeah, favorite your, your projects. I've got a lot, but I'll link my favorite ones. Yeah, and everything. Actually, always yeah. Um, I'll, I'll get you to, to send those on and I'll, get, I'll, I'll yeah. squeeze them all in the description somehow. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I think the description <laughs> yeah. will be bulging with like all, yeah. all the... <laughs> a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, but no, if, if people are interested to hear more, um, where would be the best place for them to sort of hear about your work? Uh, so you can follow me on Twitter at 100 Things I Love. And um, I usually have a pinned post with all of the rest of my, my things that are currently going on. Um, I'm currently... Um, uh, I, I am a social justice warrior, so um, if you're not interested in hearing about uh, Black Lives Matter and defunding the police, then I'm not the account for you to follow. 
but if you're okay with a hefty dose of social justice in between really awesome game news, then definitely follow me. I think always everyone needs a little bit of social justice in their timeline. Yeah, also, yeah. Yeah, we're not writing in a vacuum. Like, yeah. I write games for everyone except for fascists who can fuck right off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know what? I think that, that's, that, that's an amazing sentiment to end the podcast on. I can't, exactly. think, of a, I think, can't think of a better way than that. Um, so, actually, what was it? Yeah, so, um, thank you so much, Steffi, for taking time to sit down in the chat. This is amazing. Um, yeah, no, I honestly best of luck with, with all your many projects and the, yes, the ongoing Kickstarters. Um, thank you so yeah, much. I'll be sure to, to sort of like follow on and make sure they, they get, okay. reach those stretch goals. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, I was going to say, I will, my, last, my very last question was going to be how do you end a podcast? Yeah, I've been Nazis. I was gonna say I've been I've been Matthew Whitby. Um this has been the Dungeon Masters Guildhouse. Um thank you so much for listening. I uh, hope everyone's enjoyed it, except for fascists. They can, they can, they can yeah, who can fuck right off. <laughs> <laughs>